Hello, welcome to Entrepreneurship at UBC's podcast, Evolution. I'm your host, MJ. Today we have Peter Dorsman from Angel Forum and Sarah Applebaum, who you might remember from episode one about company building during times of crisis. She's an entrepreneur in residence at UBC and partner at Renewable Tech Ventures, and she will be your host for this episode. Without further ado, let's hear from both Sarah and Peter. Really excited to have you here this afternoon. Let's start, maybe Peter, you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, my name is Peter Dorsman. I was born and raised in the Netherlands and I pers- my, my, my primary goal was to get out of Europe in, in life. So I started my career working in London in finance and then I moved to Hong Kong where I lived for seven years. And then my wife and I moved over to Vancouver about 20 years ago and uh, started you know, sort of really retooling my financial skill set to work with early stage um, technology companies. Uh, and that has sort of grown exponentially over the last 20 years. It started with just sort of being an interim CFO or helping out a company with a business plan. And gradually it grew into sort of um, uh, investing in companies, sitting on boards of companies, having sort of long-term mentoring relationships with entrepreneurs, starting a fund, uh, having speaking engagements across Canada and, and, and in Europe. Um, I co-wrote with Boris Mann the, uh, the term sheets for, for the National Angel Capital Organization in Canada. So that's being used by most startups now in Canada. So they don't have to go to expensive lawyers anymore. They can download that for free. So everything around finance and, and, and new technologies uh, has become sort of my, my mandate in its broadest sense. And sometimes I take on more than I can handle, but I, it's hard to say no and to you know exciting new opportunities. So as part of that, we took over Angel Forum uh, two years ago, which is primarily run by my wife, but we select the companies, have them present to our members, which are all accredited investors. And we give a lot of support to the companies that present there. It's not just, you know, that they can connect and hopefully get a, an investment, but you know we make connections for them to customers, to other people we know. We introduce them to our partners in in, in Toronto, or and even today we had a case that we had referred back to an industry expert in in Europe for a company that came out of uh, BC. So I mean, it's quite a bit, uh, but you, I think you can spot what the central theme is of of it all. Yeah, thank you. And how did you first get inter- interested in angel investing? I came out of uh, investment banking. I worked for one of the largest banks, UBS, and we decided to, uh, my wife and I, to move to Vancouver and sort of do something completely different. And it was around 2000 during the tech boom. So my goal was, A, to work for myself sort of independently and be sort of an entrepreneur. I was done and and quite tired of large corporate organizations. So that was the one thing. Uh, And you have to start somewhere. And and, and I started working with early stage companies companies and entrepreneurs and help them to sort of get finance, get organized, work with their business plan. And before you know it, it's like, well, Peter, maybe you can invest some money as well. So it was never my intention to get into angel investing at all. It was more sort of my intention to sort of work uh, with companies and then you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And we, we knew where it went eventually. But uh, yeah, it was sort of out of my first engagement working with entrepreneurs came sort of the opportunity to invest in the company. And uh, I decided um, to do that. And can you tell us about your first investment, or if not your first angel investment, maybe your favorite angel investment? Well, I made 
two investments uh, uh, this time around 18 years ago. One was in an uh, interactive games company called Second Sun Entertainment. Uh, and I was and I was sort of part-time CFOing there. It was one of my first gigs coming to Canada. And I didn't know anyone really. So this was an opportunity. I jumped into it and I invested in it. And the company eventually was not successful. Uh, but what is quite interesting is sort of a lot of the people that worked there at the time were very young, young developers and and graphic designers, et cetera, et cetera. But they've all moved on and, and started their own businesses. So they now call me, and they're, they're much older, they're in their late 30s and 40s, and they've got businesses, and they call me, Peter, can you can help? Can you get involved? And uh, so the important lesson, so that money was lost, but, you know, what I got back in terms of relationships and friendships, uh, you know, was actually quite phenomenal. Uh, that is, you know, so it's it's not always just about the money, right? It's sort of it's 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 about more than that. And the other investment I made was in a company called Actonem. Um, it's a software uh, scheduling software company. They came out of SFU. Uh, they've been around for eighteen years, and I've always give that as an example that sometimes if you angel invest, it takes a very long time before you see your money back. This company is quite successful, great recurring revenue, super great team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I still talk to CEO uh, quite regularly. Uh, but we've been at that company for like 18 years. So you see one success, a long, long-term long success, and one thing that failed. But if you look at it closely at the failure, it was actually maybe a, a success based out of the sort of human relationship that uh, ships that came out of that. Yeah, and relationships are, are so important, Peter. We spent a lot of time talking about relationships and your philosophy um, around that with entrepreneurs and uh, investment companies. So in your experience, what does a good founder-investor uh, relationship look like and what kind of relationship do you like to build with entrepreneurs and founders prior to deciding to make an investment? Well, I think you have, it. it I always say, you know, as I just said in my example of Actinum, it's a long-term relationship. You know, you, you better be sure that it, that person is a good partner, that you can work with him or her over a long period of time and you want to get to know them. And it's like any any good friendship, right? So I, I, I'd like to say it, it's sort of get to know each other, you know, go out for a beer, for a coffee, help them. Before the whole discussion about investing or making money even comes up, just build a relationship and see, see, see how that goes. And sometimes... Uh, that started for, with for me um, without having a real long period to get to know one another. But the most cases, the things that became successful are people that I worked with, mentored, helped with, and then the investment moment came, uh, and then it turned out to be sort of a long term, uh, long term project. And these people become your friends, right? You don't when you're on the phone with them, you just don't talk about business. You say, "Hey, what did you do over the weekend?" Uh, I've recently worked with a founder who had some financial issues on the personal side, uh, and, and I helped him with that. And it, it becomes a sort of an all-encompassing personal and business relationship. And I think that is fairly essential because the ups and downs that you go through with a startup company, uh, including all the financial stresses and, and the technical hurdles, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is pretty intense. So a relationship needs to be able to sustain the many bumps and ups and downs that, that you encounter. So I think it I think it's essential uh, for for a successful investment relationship, which in my case often sort of continues at the board. You you become a board member or uh, a mentor, or you have some sort of role in the company um, to help them. So our audience, uh, our our readership, viewership, listenership is a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the EAUBC network. For those entrepreneurs listening, what is the right time to reach out to an investor to start building that relationship? How early is too early? I don't think it's ever 
early enough. The problem is that most entrepreneurs start reaching out and building relationships with with found, uh, with with investors once they need the money. It's like you get a call or you, they send you a deck or an executive something like, "Hey, uh, we need investment," and it's like, "Okay, well, when do you need it? Well, actually, we need it yesterday because you know we're burning money, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So my recommendation is always start early on in the process. If you're starting a company early on. Try and reach out to people like myself or come to the Angel Forum or come to Angel Networks or to startup parties and just network with people, buy them a coffee, buy them lunch and pick their brains without even raising the prospect of money because that may be six or 12 or maybe even 18 months down the road. But just sort of network people and get advice. Don't forget, uh, investors, angel investors in particular, are very willing to give free advice, right? They like to sit down for a drink, for a chat, and give you some pointers that are of Im- immense value to entrepreneurs, right? I, I Last year I did a session in uh, in Halifax where I met with entrepreneurs for a whole day, like back to back half hours. And they said, Peter, that half hour with you was valuable than anything, that more valuable than anything that I could have found on the internet or a course, because I gave them some pointers because I've seen it so many times. And, and that's, that's beneficial. So the earlier they start in the process, uh, the better, and then when the time comes that you know money is required or an investment round needs to be done, then I know the person and the person knows me, and it becomes so much easier. And if it's really something, I probably have already told some other investors like, "Hey, there's something interesting coming. I met this person, we build a relationship. You know, I think they're ready now." Uh, because it's not just me that's doing the financing, right? I and mean, if you put a million or two million together, it's a group of people that come together. But I usually can play a leading role. And bring in other people and if i know someone it's much more easier for me to sell it to other people and uh you know to add to that i think trust is important you know any relationship is built on trust so an entrepreneur that has nothing to offer it's just an idea or a concept that they're working on so what they're f- effectively selling is, is trust like trust me you know i can be your friend we can do something together that's that's how you have to think about it and a lot of people think about well you have money give me your money but it's more like well yeah, I'm a trustworthy person with great ideas. You can help me see if we can do something together. Yeah, and then you brought up something really interesting about sort of the investor network and being able to refer a company to other investors that you know and vice versa. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how the importance of that network with other angel investors is, especially in put, pulling around together and getting companies funded? Yeah, because the amounts are, you know, often not insignificant and it's hard for one, you know, angel investors spread their risk. So they put small amounts in multiple deals. So as I said, between one and two million dollars, as an example, you know, you have maybe 10 to 20 people who, who put in money uh, and it, 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 it benefits. I mean, we've I've just this last week, we we're closing a financing and we had people out of Toronto, we had people out of Victoria, and we had people out of Vancouver coming to a company that is located in North Vancouver. And it is having that relationship and, and, and work across borders. And, and because a lot of people, a lot of angel investors, uh, don't forget, I would, it's sort of the 80-20 rule. Right? 80% of angel investors put their money in and don't want to be bothered by the company, don't want to be involved. It's the 20% that are actively involved, like me, roll up their sleeves, help the company, make connections. So the 80% sort of relies on the 20% of people that are putting the deals together, like, okay, you guys have done your due diligence, we can trust you, we will we'll follow you, right? Um, it's often surprising sometimes that a simple phone call will, will trigger an investment. Well, someone say, okay, if he or she is in, I'm coming in. But that other person knows that 
people who've been working on the deal have done their homework. So it, again, it, it comes down to, to trust and, and, and relationships. And having a network, I mean, we're now working on another deal in Victoria that we're doing together with two funds. And you know, we, we've gone out to a network across Canada and, and they know us and they trust us and they know that we've done our work in structuring the term sheet and, and, the, and, and the legal work and we've done our due diligence. So you can then close the financing much quicker because you know the trust people have, have done the initial work. Yeah, so trust obviously is a very you know important theme here for entrepreneurs who don't know you yet, don't have a relationship, because I know you're going to get a flurry of emails in your inbox as soon as this goes live of people wanting to connect. What should they think about um, in, get, in terms of getting on your radar, getting your attention, so you're not going out for 50 coffees next week? No, no, exactly. And as, as, <laughs> uh, I get lots of emails, and I, I, I say, because relationship building is so important, I always say I'm always willing to listen to people and answer emails and answer questions and, and hop on a Zoom or a coffee or whatever is required. Uh, how do to get my attention? Well, just send sort of a... a a very personal note of, of who you are, what you're working on, what your background is, where you're coming from. That's always helpful. Like I've, Because a lot of entrepreneurs come to the decision to start up a company or develop a technology because they've encountered certain issues in their lives. Like they had a job where they, they found problems with the way technology worked or they saw an opportunity back in the country where they came from. So people always have a backstory that informs or drives their decision to move forward as an entrepreneur. So if you have an interesting backstory or said, I was at the university for this many years and I was doing research in this area and no one thought of turning this into a company, but I thought this is a potentially interesting company. You know, that's an interesting story that will pique my interest. So having an interesting backstory and, you know, summarize it in, in, in a few few paragraphs in an email is often uh, more than sufficient. If you can share a deck or a visual, you know, that's helpful. But, you know, the, the backstory is actually quite important for me. Great. So switching gears uh, a little bit, Peter, uh, recognizing that software companies and uh, investing in software companies and building these types of companies can look very different than building a deep science, deep technology company with lots of intellectual property in it. What are the differences in your approach when when evaluating this type of venture? Are there any? Uh, yeah, well, mostly, you know, my, my initial analysis, I do it on my own. I meet with a person, I, I assess uh, the people involved in the company because of the people aspect that's key for me. Then I look at sort of technology, the plans, the ideas. And if I get stuck, which sometimes happens on, the, on the, say, a biotech company, or, you know, we see sometimes like clean tech companies that are very exciting, but, you know, it's 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 it requires a lot of, R&D and a, a lot of time to bring it to market. And I, I try to involve, again, putting into my network, uh, you know, there's probably one or two clean tech experts who have time for it, or there's a biotech expert to, who can help me. Uh, and then you form a team, you know, uh, around sort of uh, scoping out the opportunity. So that's also very important because people rely on me for the term sheets and the financial and the legal aspects, because that's what I tend to do in my sleep. But, you know, an uh, analyzing a biotech patent, you know, that's not my skill set, but I have people that I work very closely with who I know can do that. So that's where the collaboration among angels uh, comes in place. And um, often, you know, these, these deep tech opportunities also require more capital, uh, are a bit lengthier than, than a, a software as a service company. 
Um, so that requires a bit more work. Uh, but again, you know, uh, if it's an interesting opportunity, um, we, we can bring people together and, and work on that opportunity. So I would sort of, in short, answer that question. Sort of, it's collaboration of people with the right skill sets uh, to bring it to fruition. And and the interesting thing is also, you know, if you bring people, they 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 again they're more than willing to make connections with other research opportunities or other commercial opportunities. Uh, across borders and and, and uh, open the founders to, to things that they haven't even thought about. That's a, that's a great answer and some great insights there. Thanks, Peter. So before we wrap up, uh, I just want to hear from you. You know, what are you what are you reading this these days? Listening to what what sort of you know sitting next to your your bed on the bedside table? <laughs> what oh, well, I I read a lot of history to be honest with you. I I don't read books about tax or investing because that's what I do all day. I read a lot of. Uh, biographies, political biographies, like like the seven, eight hundred page type biographies. That's what I read Um, because I learned from that. Again, it comes down to sort of life stories, long term careers, how politicians started out, how they got over certain hurdles, what they learned, how they built coalitions and how they became successful. And I think that's what if if, if I look at entrepreneurs and tech people, that's what you should do. You should really make study of other successful or very interesting people. Uh, and see how they navigated challenges in their life. And it can be politicians, it can be rock stars, or it can be uh, tech entrepreneurs. But, you know, the journey is for most of us in life is, 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 is you know, is similar. Uh, and, yeah, and I relish reading, you know, long biographies. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> and sometimes I grab a current book. I can I can tell you what, what, what I, I... I've read all the books by Yuval Noah Harari, who I like a lot, his, his work, you know, because... You know, we are at, at at the juncture with our juncture with with society with the world that you know there's so many changes happening at the same time, and technology plays in that to, to big time. So any technology that we see now, you know, you, you try to sort of see how it fits into sort of the the developing stories for for the world at the moment, and um, and and the whole COVID crisis has has added to that, right? Some some things have accelerated like crazy. Things that were already happening happening have now sort of accelerated to the point that they need to be adopted and and, and get to market much quicker than um, than we were thinking yeah, previous uh, before the crisis. Peter, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I think this is a great uh, teaser or, or taste of you, if you will, for the town hall that we have coming up with you um, on, on July 8th. So really looking forward to that and, and to collaborating together in the future. Thank you for joining us for this special episode. If you want to learn more about relationship building with angel investors, make sure to RSVP to the upcoming town hall with Peter, led by Aspect Biosystems co-founder and CEO Tamir Mohammed on July 8th.